What up, what up, what up, what up? Once again, it's your favorite podcast, Three Brothers No Sense. I have my wonderful co-host on here, Rising and Buff. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind. Did you get choked up at the beginning of that? <laughs> I was trying to figure out where I wanted to go with it, man. I don't feel like I need to give them your government names anymore. So I'm like, you know what? I was thinking, I was listening to Kev Hart's show, too, and I was like, uh, you know, they got all those AKAs, but that takes about 20 minutes of this show, so. <laughs> well, I come to you sipping uh, some some tea with honey and a splash of bamboo rum that's been endorsed by Lil Wayne. Bamboo? Uh, yeah, bamboo. It's pretty good rum, too, man. It has a, a, a pinch of banana flavor in it, but it's some good rum. Uh, so I'm sipping that, trying to get over a cold. And I just finished a couple of bowls of Count Chocula and Frankenberry. And it made me think about you, Ferg, because that is my Halloween tradition. Long story short, I was at the store as a kid. I wanted a box, one of those boxes, Frankenberry, Booberry, or Count Chocula. My mama would not get it for whatever reason. So now every Halloween when they come out, I make sure I get all three. Just, now, just to let my mama know that I can get them now. And so she's up there too. Yeah, she's up here. So she's seen them because she's been eating the, the other cereal we have. But I thought about you because I know you know make her eat some kicks or something. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to feed me some off brand. <laughs> you tried to th- some off give us some off brand stuff. Uh, yeah, some kaboom. But I you like, like you like uh, that Charlie Brown great pumpkin. So oh yeah, had a man. Yeah, every year I just hope that uh, my homeboy Linus gets to see the Great Pumpkin. It hasn't happened yet, but one day, if he keeps believing, I believe that man will see the Great Pumpkin. So, <laughs> oh yeah, Linus, but Charlie he got rocks the whole night. Everybody else got candy. He got rocks, man. You ain't worried about that? Nah, man. I can't even really rock with Charlie Brown like that, man. He just it's some bottom dude. I just I don't know, man. He's so gullible. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what's it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I might watch no it tonight com- with no my com- daughter. No common sense. He reminds me a little bit of me. But- oh, yeah, definitely, bro. <laughs> so what's what going you- on with you, yeah, Rising? Speaking, speaking of no common sense, I want to um, let uh, uh, a few of our listeners know that I am reporting them for cyberbullying. Um, I thought you were going to get in trouble for last episode. Somehow it came down <laughs> and I got in trouble. Um <laughs> So uh, a few of our listeners came back at me. I feel for anybody that get on the bad side of like the beehive, the barbs or anything, because we have, a, a you know, our listenership isn't that big yet. And I, I, I still caught it for my comment on um, ex-wives and, and them being in a relationship so they can be happy. Um, I want to make sure everybody understands that there was no like subliminal tweets or anything like that or anything towards my ex-wife and so everybody was like oh you got to be in a relationship to be happy i wasn't trying to say that um so if if you know it came off like that i apologize um just don't come after me anymore because at this point i am going to report you for cyberbullying just let y'all know all right you talking all that noise but i i call some some secondhand smoke from that because you know, and I don't know if the listeners know, but we're all friends with your ex-wife. And she hit me up. She was like, and why you didn't step in? I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was on my phone texting. I don't know. <laughs> no, but for real, um, love her. And glad you was able to put that out there and clear that up, bro. Yeah, yeah man, because uh, definitely we, we don't do this show to try to take jabs at anybody. And I mean, 
divorce, marriage, all of it's tough. Life is tough. And you guys do have a great thing going on, uh, working relationship, especially with your beautiful daughter, Haley. So we never want this show to be the reason that something um, comes up and just just being honest, like I've never been through a divorce, but I know when I anytime I'm in a relationship after that relationship ends, I don't necessarily need somebody else to be happy. But the sooner I move on to somebody else, you know, it lets is I think it's just a certain my energy is put other other places. So mm-hmm. is I don't think it's a, a woman man thing. I think it's just a human nature thing when you can just kind of focus your energy and you have somebody else that you you can feed into and that's feeding into you. And that I guess has your back, you know, it, it just, I think it makes it, it does make it easier, but it's not a woman thing. You know, I think it's, it's everything. So uh, any girl I ever dated, they know when I break up with them, I'm, I'm like, don't call me. I'll call you. I'm not that guy. So uh, because I need to move on. So uh, appreciate you apologizing. Oh, I don't and, think oh, I was just going to say, and I just want to, uh, send prayers out to the Birmingham community and everything. Yes. Uh, you guys know I reported on the three-year-old that was abducted yeah. last week. Um, they did find her body, and um, you know, so she she was she she was dead when they found her. So praying for the family, praying for the community. Um, that was a hard one, man, for like Alabama in general. Anybody who is in this area, you know, again, we talked about those Amber Alerts, man. If y'all see them, um, pay attention to them because, uh, you know, this kind of thing happens all the time. And I, I don't know what it was about this one that it felt different, but it did open my eyes to like all of the um, missing children that's going on and everything like that. Uh, maybe it was just because it was closer to home, you know, and, and just thinking my kids could have been at that party, you know, and uh, or the um and, and been abducted. So prayers to the community, man. And y'all just keep looking out. Well said, bro. Well, I don't have much to say. I had something I completely forgot. Um, it might be this second glass of Glenn Livid I'm on. Oh, so uh, on that Glenn, <laughs> yeah, it's been a rough it's week. So be a good episode. <laughs> it's been a rough week. So uh, now that I've advertised for Glenn Livid, you guys have ever, you advertised for uh, Frankenberry, uh, Bamboo. Don't forget the Bamboo Rum, <laughs> Bamboo, Booberry. Raz, you got any um, anything you want to pub? Uh, Jenica Kimberly is always here for a good pubbing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we paid their bills. Now it's time to pay ours. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back. Three Brothers No Sense. Your favorite podcast. My favorite time of the show. So, fellas, let's jump right into it. My topic uh, today, trying to figure out how I want to ask this. I'm going to do a lead-in question. Rozzy. When you say your ethnicity or race, what do you say? Black Italian. Byron, you like me, you, 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 unless your mama got some Indian on your daddy's side or something like that, you know. I'm black. Uh, Black Black Italian. What do you think most people see you as, Razi? Oh, black. All day long. Okay. So my question revolves around race. As 
and I'm going to try to use my words carefully, as African-Americans, and I, you'll see why you chose to use that word, African-Americans, do we choose to oversimplify race? And why do we choose to try to always categorize people? And I'll give you an example. And I might be misquoting the, the person, but I remember at one point, one of the female rappers, I think I want to say it was Cardi B when they came at her and she won some award or something like that. And people were in an uproar because some people said she was black. Some people said she was uh, Puerto Rican. And then it became the whole dialogue. Well, they're all black anyway. And then you have some people like Lupita, who just says, like, I didn't realize I was and I'm paraphrasing. I didn't realize I was black until I came to America. Do you think we just oversimplify race? And because if you have the same hue or pigment as us, we automatically make you black. And why is that? I think uh, I think we oversimplify it like that because we just break it down simply to if slavery was still going on, you know, would you be in the field? Would you be in the house or would you not have to worry about being a slave at all? And pretty much we simplify to if you have any color in your skin, more than likely you could have been a slave. So that's how we uh, simplify it. And I think your your main question is, why do we do it? I, I guess I guess that is a huge reason why. And also just how this society treats people of color like uh, that's that's what they see. So it's like if you have any color in your skin you're going to be treated a certain way at times more than likely. So we but, include, we include you like not, not everybody's black, but you know, we, we, we bring them all into that minority umbrella. So what are the races? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just being, I mean, you know, we got about, like at the end of the day, it's like five or six, really, you right. know, black, black white, white, Asian, Asian uh, yeah. Mexican, Middle, Middle Eastern and yeah. Hispanic. That's basically it. Um, okay, it is. Yeah, yeah. That 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 was a lesson for anybody who is not uh, pick one. I guess <laughs> black <laughs> that listens to that show that you fall into one of those categories in the black community. But my question <laughs> exactly. is: Is it harmful to oversimplify, or why? I'll let you, do you want to jump in, Rosie, or do you want to? I, I mean, I, I I can. It, it's. It's funny, um, Byron used uh, the the phrase people of color, you know, and and a lot of times I've heard people talk about how they don't like the phrase people of color because it takes away from the black struggle or you're not saying black enough. And so people try to lump everybody, uh, all the minorities together. Um, But I, I think it's actually a very good use of the term. Because, like you said, all those minorities are looked at the same in historically in the white community, right? If, if it was you were either white or you were other. And so it didn't matter what that other was, whether you were, you know, Middle Eastern, whether you were Asian, it was just like you were white or you caught these hands, <laughs> and, you know, and, and the hands weren't necessarily physical all the time. It might have been the hands on paper that made laws against you. It was the, the hands that, you know, were able to sculpt the economy and the government and everything to put in systemic racism. So um, I, I think people of color makes sense to use in certain situations, unless you're specifically talking about black America and black people 
as a race, then people of color make sense to be used. And so I, I think that as a people, we, we do that because like Byron said, what we're doing is saying we, we understand the struggle. You're going to understand our struggle. So we will put you in this black bubble and be able to say, we, we accept you as black. We, we are going to let you in the inner circle and you get all the, the qualifications and you get all the benefits uh, of it because we feel like you're going to get all of the negative parts of it along with it. That's why Rachel Dolezal couldn't come in because she didn't get the negative parts of it. She wanted all the benefits without actually getting all the negative parts. Um, so you don't get to be black just because you understand the struggle, but you still don't have to live it. Can so, she be trans black? Nah, you can't be trans black. Um, why not? You, you, because I don't care what, unless you're going to uh, put on blackface every day and, and, and live that struggle, but she have did, that fear. You? No, not for real. She no. she put, you know, she put her hair up, but she was one that we we would normally say she could pass. Um, she would she could still pass. So there there was, and so she didn't have that inherent fear that we have when you get pulled over by a cop. Am I going to make it out? She didn't have the inherent fear that I am being punished, and am I being punished equitably from somebody else? Um, that's another race, and, and so she didn't grow up with that inherent fear uh, because we've all seen it. I got told that story about us getting kicked out of uh, the restaurant in Sarah land. I mean, I've got all kinds of stories of being pulled over or, uh, you know, fit in the description or whatever, because I'm black and, and she, th- she doesn't live that she's, she, she, she can, she can empathize with it, but she can't live it because she doesn't have to. Now, Ferg asked, asked uh, how could it be problematic? Now, when we let all these people of color under this umbrella, they need to understand that there still are some rules that they have to abide by. And like I know with Fat Joe and I think with Cardi B, J-Lo, they said the N-word in the past. And mm-hmm. that's upset a lot of black people. And some black people are like, hey, man, they, they minority. They can say it. And so that's when you kind of run into some of the problems. Also, sometimes quote, people of color separate themselves from that minority bunch. What was George Zimmerman? Wasn't he like Puerto Rican and Jewish or something like that? Mm-hmm. But like, I think he identified as white. So that's yeah, the other just, part yeah, about exactly. it. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Hispanic people that identify as white and not black because that's the other part about it is being he- Hispanic is an ethnicity. It's not necessarily a race. Um, mm-hmm. And so you can be that ethnicity and still be either white or black as a race. But I think so. The reason I ask is because, like, I think in America, we lump race and ethnicity is together. It's, mm-hmm. And so the reason I, I question this is because just like you, Byron, you use like J-Lo and uh, other people as examples, Cardi B. But we have people that don't necessarily identify as black and then we get offended when they don't identify as black, even when it's whole cultures, you know, like. Oh, oh, I'm Dominican. I'm not black. Oh, no, you, you black. Look at you. You look at me. You look at you. You black. And it's One like the famous ones. It's Tiger Woods. Exactly. <laughs> so the thing about OJ, it is I'm not black. I'm OJ. No, he's black. <laughs> so to me, I look at it kind of where you were at, Byron, but I look at it more in a, in a, in a the modern world. I think being a black is an American concept. It's an American struggle. You identify with the American 
black struggle. So when people come over from other countries or they are still in their country and we're telling them you're black and it's like they don't identify like uh, one of my best friends, one of my good friends, Dick Daly, he's from Suriname, South America, and he didn't realize like and if you met him, you would never think you you would think you're just a regular black guy from Florida. But when you it was things that he had to learn or he was indoctrinated in when he became a, a came to an America, America. And it was like a black culture. It was like, now you're part of this. Now you're part of that. Even Lupita's like, I understood race. I understood this, but she was just her biggest thing growing up was she was just of a darker hue, you know, but in our world, girl, you black, everybody's black. And we get offended when they don't want to accept that Puerto Ricans, Jamaicans. I have, I have friends that are Haitian and when they were in Haiti, they didn't identify as black. They were Haitian. And we're kind of like saying, oh, no, no, no. I don't care what you think you are. You're black. And to me, black to me is an American, Americanized concept and Americanized like culture, like the, 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 the great things that you say that we get the benefits along with the, the struggle. You know, um, I feel like all those people cannot deny they're part of the African diaspora. And that's what I relate to. Like, you know, you can't negate that. But if you grew up in freaking Panama and everybody around you looks like you, yeah, there's some systematic racism and stuff like that. And you don't identify as black. I shouldn't see that as a, a knock or why do all these people think they're not black? You know, like there's people that really get offended when other people that because they look like them don't want to identify by the the category that they put them in like, no, you're black because I say you're black. Well, well no, I, 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 I obviously can't speak for everybody, but I think a lot of that, uh, you know, being upset when somebody doesn't identify as black, a lot of that comes from the fact that we feel like you're putting us down. It's like, what do you mean you don't identify you black? So you too good to be black? What do you like? Why are you so against being identified as black? I think that's where some of that emotion comes from. And I'll just say this, too before I pass it to one of you guys, it almost doesn't, it doesn't matter what you identify as. Cause as I said, in the first answer, society will remind you who you are. Tiger Woods was kind of reminded. OJ has certainly been reminded of who he is. Mm-hmm. So you can walk around and not identify. But that's in America though. So we, 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 what, we as Amer- talking about, but as, yeah. a, but as, as Americans, we <laughs> feel like the world revol- like if, this is how we feel. This is how the world should feel. Because when you travel, like you go to France and you you look like it's in France, you're French. Now, there might be some things that you deal with in France being, quote unquote, black or darker or whatever. Or you might be like when we were friends, there were people from all different African countries, but they were still French. They identified as the country they were from in French to us. I was a black dude from France. Like we we want we want to make you identify with our struggle. And it's like, I'm not putting down your struggle, but how, how do your feeling like I should feel this way because you feel this way? Like I can't be Nigerian French or, you know, uh, whatever, because in your world I'm black. So I have to identify as black or I'm disrespecting your feelings. Does that happen for a regular person though? Like do you, a regular person on the street, if they say, I'm, you know, from Senegal and I'm Senegalese. I'm not black. Are you really going to be like, no, you're black until they like become this, this big, large figure. And then you're like, I need you to hold our race up. 
like you know so so do we get mad at the normal person for that or is it more so celebrities and things like that where we like hey you need to hold up that black uh race no, no, i think i think we do success. i mean i'm in houston and um one of the beautiful things about Houston's are uh, several different African uh, countries represented a lot of Nigerians. And when you have conversations with them, they're, they're proud to be Nigerian. They're proud of their culture. There's things that they hold on to. Yes. Others might see me as black when they first see me, but when I'm around my people, this is what I see. I don't care what they see. They don't let others define them because they say we do have a culture that we've held on to that we brought over from this, you know, from our our, our country. Like they have things and, you know, uh, from Susu to their uh, the way they, they get they're married and all, all these other things. And it's like, no, we don't necessarily fall into the same categories because of our culture. We're not saying that it's bad to be black. We're just saying, no, I'm Nigerian. I'm a Nigerian American. You know, and I don't identify like my family still in Nigeria. So I don't identify with some of the struggles that you say I should. That's and your struggle. This is my struggle. It took a lot for my family to get me over here. My, you know, my, um, my retort is if you're in America, you'll find out. Like you don't have to identify <laughs> Did you like that brother that had the 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 uh was reaching for his wallet in New York? He he wasn't he he was uh like I believe from Africa or what or whatever. So but I, th- be, I think I think it, I think it's a, I think it's a transition though. I think like I think the longer you're over here and the the more you accept the culture and the yeah. more you're the yeah. more it changes you and like you see some of these things you can't believe like uh I remember talking to one guy and he just couldn't believe how like with the police shootings that this was real and that all we were going to do as blacks was just march or send mean emails or tweets or Facebook posts. He was just shocked. Like, I don't understand this. Um, But the longer he's here, like he starts to see that, yeah, there's, there's a system beating, beating black people down. Um, He's a part of it. He doesn't necessarily identify all the way like, you know, like you said, you went back to slavery. He doesn't identify with that because your family, my family, our families have history of, you know, that affected us historically. It didn't affect him historically. It affected the people that he's around him. So he, he's affected in certain terms or certain aspects. But and, and it's also, though, he can trace his roots back. Right. Like you say, his family came from wherever. Um, so like when I when I can say I'm black and Italian because I know my dad came from that. My dad immigrated from Italy. So there's no doubt about it. But I can't on my mom's side. I can't say I'm from Zambia. I can't say I'm from South yeah. Africa, Kenya or whatever. So I can't say I'm a Kenyan American, even if it, you know, it's been generations. So all I can say is I'm African as a continent. Um, you know, African American, and historically, I'm black because it, yeah. it's it's that catch all for that. I don't know what I'm from or where I'm from, so I'm and just you, gonna say I'm black. And you you might even have some people that, and I'm not speaking for everybody. There's probably some people that get offended when you can try to say that you're. Uh, we say you're black Italian. Black Italian. Oh man, I got it uh, because then they're like you're, you're trying because now yeah. now you're trying to separate yourself once again from being black. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you you being black isn't good enough. So part of it's like, are we are we wanting P 
people to be so much a part of our culture that we're not allowing them to be part of their own culture. Like you can be Puerto Rican and you have, like I said, I identify as all those people are part of that African diaspora. Like there's no negating that. But I think black is almost a culture of the African-American in the U.S. Mm hmm. There, there's a such thing as black culture. And, yeah, and, that, and so that's what we're trying to tell them is that you are part of this culture, whether you want to be or not. Uh, and and I, I think if anybody is having an argument with somebody, but we even talk they about need to step back and do a buyer and be like, you'll see. <laughs> but the thing about <laughs> it is like, you even, but you also have people that will go as far as and I was reading a post the other day. That's what made me ask this question is they were still talking about people that are, that might be in the Dominican Republic starting in Brazil. Like if you look like me, you're black. I don't care if you're over here or not, and you're not dealing with this 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 system systemic racism in the U.S. You're black because I say you're black and you look like me, and it's just, it goes that far. Like we will not allow people to like okay, once you come to the U.S., your black card is coming sooner or later, whether you want it or not. But if you're still wherever you're at, and I'm offended, or we're like, well, you know, they don't want to be black. Puerto Ricans don't think they're black. Or you've heard, you've heard these arguments. All the, all you, there's a list of countries where like they're black, 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 black. Whether they hear or not, they're still black. And it's like, and it's nothing. Trust me, I love being black. Um, I think I'm one step away from being a black nationalist. So, uh, I get it. But my question is. Do we need to change the dialogue and say, like, OK, we're all part of the African diaspora. What can we learn from each other? Because I'm so busy to try to make you fit into my world. That there's parts of your world that maybe I can benefit from. You know, um, what we about to say, Buff? I was say before we go to the next subject, I just want to go on record. I don't think Puerto Ricans are black. Like It could be people of color, but they're not black. <laughs> I, I I agree, but I, I tell you this, but you've heard it, yeah. You know, like I've heard some very so so if if you're saying a Puerto Rican that's maybe darker than you, their their first complexion complexion, they're not black. No, they black. So so it's it's based on is it the paper bag or like what what is it that makes a Puerto Rican black or not black? If I can look at you and say, oh, you're a Puerto Rican, or if I can look at you and say, ah, oh, are you black? <laughs> but if, if, so if you're in Puerto Rico, you're in Tampa vacationing, and you see, you see somebody that looks like me in Puerto Rico, I'm black. Well, see, I'm in Puerto Rico, so, I mean, I don't know if I would really make that distinction. But you, but the, the but mine, are, mine is, mine is continental and, and the other two states. Uh, centric. I'm talking about the 50 states. <laughs> so, and I, and I can agree to that. Like, to me, like I said, I think you Even eventually, Rico, part of you, you, the, the longer you're here, you get indoctrinated into the, 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 the black culture, black society, whether you like it or not, because there's certain things that force you to be a part of this, whether you, you know, it's not a good thing or a bad thing. You know, if you're Nigerian, you get pulled over in a, a, a in Wyoming and a white cops never seen a Nigerian, to him, you look black and you shouldn't be, you probably shouldn't be here. Uh, no offense to any people or police officers from Wyoming that may be listening to our program. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it happens. So I think that's what I was saying. Like, but at the end of the day, we can't deny there's, uh, we're all part of the African diaspora. And the thing about it is there's a lot of knowledge that we can pull from each other if we're not just worried about you not identifying as black. 
you know, um, I, I, I love to listen to people. I love to study people. I love to talk to people. And I've just, I've heard so many different stories and learned so many different lessons. And, you know, it's a thing of beauty, you know, so be black, be proud. Don't necessarily force anybody to be part of this thing. You know, is I think it's, 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 it's a select club. You know, we got people that we were trying to force in there and as well, people were trying to kick out. So Stacy Dash. No, just oh. <laughs> Okay, all right. My bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that's hey. that's my two cents. Good combo for her. I mean, Buff, you wanna take the next one or? Uh I was gonna let you, but I No, I I, I got it. Okay, go ahead. Are, are, unless you unless you want to jump in now, based nah, on because because uh, my mine is so close to his topic, so I want to let's put some distance between it before we come to me. Okay, all right, all right. So I'm um I think I'll lighten it up. I had one that was probably more serious, but uh, I'll I'll lighten it back up a little bit. Um, good, good. Am I always too serious? <laughs> not always. It's just it is what it is. So with that, I um I, I've had some situations in the past where, you know, I, I got into it with a girl. We argued those types of things and I, I wanted to hit them, but didn't. And I thought you said light. Huh? I thought you said this was going to be a light topic. <laughs> well, I, I think it might be, but okay. it's, um, so I remember growing up, my sister hit me in the head and gave me like the biggest knot on the top of my forehead. And I ran in in there to my parents because I was always told, you don't hit a girl, you don't hit a girl. And I told my parents, I was like, hey, she just hit me. She's a big knot on my head. Can I hit her back? And my mom was like, no. And they didn't do nothing to her. So (laughs) it made me so mad because they were like, y'all were fighting, y'all were wrestling, and you you got hit. So with that, is there ever a time that it's okay to hit a girl Mm, mm, and go? mm. Mm, mm, mm. Um, is there a time uh, a girl or you, you mean like, like any a, a, a woman no not mm-hmm. any age I mean mm-hmm. you know comparable to your age you know I ain't saying you go hit like a 15 year old or a 16 after, year old after, at, at this point in our life at this point in our life yeah because I, I did get in a fight or, with a girl or, I did get in a fight with a girl when I was I want to say seven so I'm going to put this out there and I hope you listen <laughs> to the show Peaches Kawanja <laughs> Ferguson. First off, before I get into my answer, which sister was it that put the knot in your head, Robbie? Pooh. Oh, it was Pooh. No, shout out to Pooh. Good job. <laughs> um, short answer is. Oh, by the way, Peaches beat my ass. Throw, throw, throw it out there like yeah. L taken. Yeah. So your your question, Robbie, is, is there any is there ever a time that it's okay to hit a woman? Yes. Yes. Of course it is. Um. <laughs> Let me explain myself though. Cause yeah, because you about to get it. <laughs> come for me for a second straight episode. <laughs> uh, here, here is my here. I, I'm not. I'm not asking anybody to go by this rule. This is my rule. Anybody, male or female, the age twelve or up, if you spit on me, I may knock you to bleep out. That that's that's pretty much my only trigger. Do not spit on me. You can hit me. You can if, if you're a woman, you can hit me, punch me. I, I know how to defend myself without hitting a woman. You spin on my face, I may black out. So for those of you that say that's still wrong, God's still working on me. I'm not perfect. Do not 
spit on me. Ages 12 and up. That's right. If your little son that's 13 spits on me, he going to get it. <laughs> Eight, I, I want to be clear on this. Ages 12 and up. Do not spit on me. So how did how did you come up with the age twelve, brother? Did you, were you I, believe, just, I, believe, I believe Jesus was responsible for his sins at, at twelve. Wasn't it? it was eleven or twelve? So I'm gonna say twelve because I just don't want you to lower your age. <laughs> 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 I don't want eleven year olds to be fair game all of a sudden. <laughs> but no, no, no. Because if it's eleven, then I'm giving them an extra year, an extra yeah. year longer than what Jesus had. So <laughs> yeah, and then you might get fired. You saw that cop. He got fired for slamming the living yo. So if he if she was twelve, you might have been all right. Now see, Probably. if you if you're a cop in the performance of uh, doing your duty, oh, you got real serious, then. Well, I'm just saying you got to have a certain level of um, what is discipline or what I'm talking about me as a private citizen. But as a certain like, it's certain words that I wouldn't let a man say to me, like call me a, a b or call my wife a b. However, if I'm in the performance of my duty as a cop. I got to take that verbal abuse. I can't react on that. Mm-hmm. So that that's different. But I'm just saying, but but other than that, man, no, you shouldn't hit a woman. Like, um, if she's punching you or whatever like that, I think for the most part, you should be able to grab her arm, restrain her, do what you can, do what you can. This is what I say. You have a right to defend yourself. And if it comes to you having to hit her, hopefully that is a very, very rare case. But what I will say definitively, just like I said with the whole 12 years and up, there shouldn't be anything a woman can say to you to make you hit her. So if she's calling you bees, Fergie, like you disagreeing. But if she's calling you bees and MFs and that's why your penis small, any of that, I mean, you should be able to take that. But uh, you, have, so, you have the right to defend yourself. So I agree with you. I agree with you. And I've never been put in a situation where I've had to hold on. Let's first of all, let me clarify. You said, <laughs> you said hit a woman. Hit. Yeah, hit. So is that different from putting your hands on her? Can, uh, can you grab her? Can you hold yes, her? Like yes, that's different. Yeah, yeah, it's different. So yeah, you can grab her. I mean, at you any know, point. Yeah. Because I mean, to yeah, defend yourself, because you don't need to be going around just grabbing women. And stuff. Right. We, that, that's I called think, domestic violence. Because I think I, I want to say I'm mature enough. And so I'm hoping, you know, like, cause, you know, it's easy to say that, you know, I will never do it. Da, 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 and the spitting and spitting, spitting is probably one of the most disrespectful things you can do to somebody. So I, I get that wholeheartedly. Um, there are also some big girls out there, too. I remember. <laughs> that's true. They're also true. big girl. So story. When I used to work for, uh, I don't know if I can say the car company. I used to work for this major car rental company. And one time I had to go pick up a car from one of my customers who pretty much stole the car and wasn't bringing it back. So I get to the, I get to the lady's house. We're in the hood. I get my car. She's pretty much totaled out my car. Um, I call her. She doesn't answer the phone. I call her again. She doesn't answer the phone. I call the tow truck company to have the car towed back to my branch. She comes out, she's cussing and fussing, yada, 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 yada. And she's kind of like walking up on me. Now, this is a big chick, like from the hood. She likes, she likes the fights. So, fight. and I'm like, <laughs> With an S, fight. She, like, she likes, she likes the fights. So I'm like, yeah, I can't let this chick run up on me and like try to hold her. Cause I'm not trying to be on world star trying to fend off this, this, this big chick. Um, and this is when I was, this is when I was stressed out. And, um, this is like 2013, 2014, probably 30 pounds lighter. 
Probably. Just from stress. So I'm like, I cannot let this chick end me. Like, I'm not going to do that. But this is how crazy the chick was. Literally, I got the key. She came out. I got the keys to the truck, drove it off. At some point, I, I look in the car. I have the car I drove on. This chick takes the car I'm driving, jumps in and drives off. So she steals the car I'm driving. <laughs> And I'm I'm cussing. I'm calling everything under the sun. So I'm walking to the front of the complex to call the police because I don't know the address because all the paperwork and stuff in the car. And I'm like, is this chick? I, I keep walking like, is this a chick with my car? So I walk up and she's yelling at me like, why are you screaming at me? Why are you following me? Why are you stalking me? Like, B, because you stole my car. Like, what do you want me to do? So she gets in the car and drives towards me. And this is when the screwed his job shows up I'm like man this chick about to run me over so I'm like I'm about to stand right here when she gets up, when she stops I'm about to yank her ass out the car luckily the I got a wife and I'm trying to start a family and I need this job jumps in so I had literally jumped out of the way this chick didn't even stop so she pretty much tried to run me over drives the car to the other side of the complex parks it then comes back over starts talking noise again and starts throwing stuff at me and I'm like, Lord, I called the police because she locked the keys in the car. I called the police. And while I went on the police, she keeps walking up on me. And I'm like, if this chick swings at me, I got to do her. I got to do her. I don't know. If, you know, that makes me any less of a man, but I was going to have to do it. Um, I think there's instances where people put themselves in positions where they don't care about their well-being or your well-being. And. Contrary to popular belief, ladies, we don't go through any special training outside of our mom and dad telling us not to hit women. We're still human. We're still get emotional. Byron, you said there's nothing a woman should be able to say to make you put your hands on her. I agree, but I haven't been there yet. You know what I'm saying? Like I haven't been put in that situation. You know, it's, you know, you've been with Tabitha 20 something years. Y'all getting a heated argument. She's like, and that's why this person, I did this, this, and this. And And you're like, she knows all the things that could hit and crush you for the rest of your life. And in that spurt of a moment, you snap. Mm-hmm. Does that make you any less of a man? I'm not saying I've known you for what, almost 30 years now. I have, I have I hold you in the highest regards. I don't think any less of you. Now, you had your moment. But it's crazy because I think women think there's a past. Because I, I ask women all the time, like, would you say that? Would you say that crap to another woman? Don't get tough with me. <laughs> you know, you're five, one hundred and no pounds, but you'll talk to me like that. But if another chick walks up on you, you're mousy. Like, don't take advantage of the situation, mm-hmm. you know. And to me, it's even more disrespectful because, you know, I can't do anything, you know. So you're you're pushing buttons that like it's not just we're heated. It's like I'm a push button because I know he can't do anything. Yeah. yeah. Like and, and and my thing about it is, I think. Everybody needs to learn how to keep their hands to themselves. I, I can't again. remember. Say it, it was again, like Rosie. Whoopi Goldberg or something. <laughs> like um, I can't remember on the View they were talking about some guy had hit you know his girlfriend or whatever. But on the video she hit him first, and Whoopi was like, "I ain't mad at him because she shouldn't have hit him first. And so my thing is, when y'all got the right to vote. Y'all got the right to get these hands put on y'all. Wow. We need a disclaimer, bro. I feel like they came together. I need a disclaimer. Oh, Lord. And we just talk. 
Rosie go catch that smoke. <laughs> oh Lord, bro. Uh, Thank no, you. Continue, brother. No, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm, I make light of it, but the the thing about it is, if I always tell any girl I date or anything like that, if you feel froggy enough to hit me and like a man, ball your fist up and just rock me in my face, I'm hitting you back. Like point blank period. I mean, I'm, I'm like you said, I'm five, six, 145 pounds. I ain't trying to sit here and like let you hit me again. Cause I don't know. You might actually have a strong right and you hit me with your left. I ain't waiting for that. Right. I'm sorry. So I'm probably going to two hit a quit of you. I, now, clarify too. Yeah. Um, when I was saying hitting me, I meant chest, arm. So let me be clear. Don't hit me in my face either. <laughs> exactly. It's basically, my face. Don't spit in my face. Don't hit me in my face. Yeah. And, and I think the question now becomes like, why do we have to be the responsible ones? Right. My my thing is, it's it's all about. I think Byron talked about it with police. Or whatever. I have to look at size, skill, all that stuff. You hit me in my chest and everything, and and you whining, and it, it ain't really. I, I don't feel threatened by that. I'm probably not going to do anything at that point. But I mean, if you square up and you got a nice boxing pose on you, I'm sorry. I'm probably going to square up too if I need to I'm not move myself up, off in that situation. I'm not squaring up. I mean, I'm not squaring up. I might, I might back away, but I'm saying if you got me where I can't go nowhere. I ain't got no choice. Yeah, like I, I'm not squaring up with fight you. I my way out of it. I'm, I'm like, like I gotta put my arms up. I gotta put my hands up and protect myself. Like, and, and I'm not saying that I'm. You hit me, I'm automatically hitting you back. I'm not going as far. I I I want to think that I have the discipline to do it. And honestly, well, it's, it's, it's two things because the only woman I can ever see getting that mad at me because I and call it what you will. Like I have a rule. I'll give two women in my life: my mom and my wife. And I don't see myself. I'm almost 40. There's nothing me and my mom need to argue about. You know, she's not in my household. So she, so by default, that'll never happen. But my wife is the only woman I can see myself arguing with. And it would have to be a very heated conversation for my wife to feel the need to put her hands on me. So at that point, it must it had to be something unless I'm all the way in the wrong. Like if I'm all the way in the wrong. You know what? I'll hold you back. And like, I understand yada, yada, yada. And nine times out of ten, if that was if my wife put her hands on me, it would probably be because I messed up. But just because we're having an argument or you disagree or something like that, these abusive relationships where you just feel like you need to say what you need to say and I need to shut up. And because I, because you got frustrated, you wanted to hit me and you said some things because I tell people most of the time in those type situations, when the woman gets to the point and women correct me if I'm wrong, where you had to put your hands on a man both of you guys have reached that boiling point. Mm -hmm. So you got mad enough to put your hands on me by something I said and or did. Now I'm mad because you said something to me or did something to me and you hit me. So like you got mad at one and two. Now I got mad. I have three reasons to be mad and react. Like you cussed me out. You talked about this. You did whatever. And now you 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 slap me. You disrespect. And we've already had this conversation where like never put your hands on me. So you know where this is going. And I feel such a and my goal is I hope that I'm I'm strong enough because I don't even call it man enough because I, I feel like that's a cop out. Mm -hmm. Like we put added pressure on men to all of a sudden be stronger in these situations. And I think the male ego is fragile for one. You know, so and women say it all the time. The men are weak. They, they can't handle it. 
But then all of a sudden you hit me and all of a sudden I'm supposed to handle it. You know, um, I'm not I'm not for domestic violence at all. Like my goal is to be able to handle myself in all situations. Uh, we actually had a post talking about domestic violence uh, today and women are viewing an abuse, abusive relationship. Get out. Yeah. Even if you spark it, get out. Like it's not healthy for either one of you guys. So, you know, the thing about it is I can definitely do more harm to my wife physically than she can do to me hand to hand because she can always pick up, you know, and do something. But what I'm saying, hand to hand. But if you're in an abusive relationship, get out. It's not healthy for either one of you guys. But don't be the catalyst. Do not keep pushing and hitting. And then when he reacts, want to cry wolf. Like, because everybody about it is. Everybody talks about women and domestic violence. There's men a lot do. of men that get oh, yeah. beat yeah. by their, their spouses. And, and the, the problem is that they can't even come out and say anything because they're going to get laughed at. They're going to get talked about. I mean, there's reports of guys going and trying to file, um, you know, reports to the police and the police just ignoring it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the thing is, it's, that's why I started with keep everybody needs to keep their hands to themselves. Yeah. I mean, and, and I kind of made light about it, but a, a physical altercation is just that it's a physical altercation. Somebody has to initiate it and you never know how that person's going to react. Like I, I'm Jenica knows. I mean, Jenica's hit me a couple of times, but it's been like those little chest hits and stuff like that. And, and I know how to control myself. So it's one of those things that you, you don't know how that person's going to react. Like, I don't even play fight with Jenica because I don't know how I'm going to react. I like, I'm scared that I'm going to snap and I'm going to really hurt her. So like, we don't play wrestle. She, she always, you know, she wants to kind of wrestle around and I'm like, no, I'm not even doing that because I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know when my body's just going to take over and I'm going to end up hurting you. So just keep your hands to yourself. And then if somebody does put their hands on you, you need to dead it right there. And you need to, like you said, for you need to get out. Like it, it, it doesn't need to continue on and give somebody second and third and fourth yeah. chances to hit you. Cause I've seen situations where woman hits man, man walks away. Woman continues to consult man, follow man. after he tells her to leave him the hell alone. And at a certain point, we're all human and he breaks mm -hmm. and he turns around and delivers a one hitter quitter. And he didn't put, excuse me, he didn't put all his strength in it, but it just, it was enough. And by nature, he's, he was stronger, faster and didn't hurt. But like, it didn't look good. And I felt sorry for her. Like when, when it happened, because the thing about it is like everybody, nobody stopped her from hitting him, following him, continuing to hit him. But the moment I was in Birmingham in the club with you, mm -hmm. this was years ago. And like he, I'm like, this dude, when I say he walked, like, you know, the bouncers eventually got to her and tried to stop her, you know, that little, because even the bouncers are scared to put their hands on women because it's so cliche to grab women. And they know this because she's going off on a bouncer. And finally, dude turns around because he's trying to get away and just, and it was like, by the time she hit the ground, she was snoring. Like she was out. And it was like, Tussle in the club, bouncers kicked him out and all this stuff. But it's like that could have been avoided. Now he's a bad guy, probably went to jail and all that stuff. But it's could it be avoided? Is he any less of a man? So the same way we're telling our men to be better men, I challenge our women to be better women and, and protect yourself by respecting yourself. So don't put yourself in that situation. 
you have a four-year-old daughter, my goal is to teach her never to initiate or put your hands on a man, no matter how mad you get. Mm-hmm. Everything else can be handled later. Yeah. And and ladies, don't think that we're trying to victim blame at all. No, 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 no. Uh, and, and if it's coming off like that, please understand what we're what we're saying is there's a difference in y'all having a verbal argument and him hauling off and hitting you. No excuse. And you y'all are arguing. You start hitting him. He tries to walk away and remove himself. You follow behind him. You continue to hit him, yeah. you know, and, and you're stopping him from being able to leave or and something like that. And you get hit. That is totally, totally different. And so we want to we want y'all yeah. to understand those yeah. differences. Yeah. And then also that and also just be careful, because if I can say something that pisses you off enough to make you hit me, just be, being we're equal, you know, equality, you know, feminism, whatever you want to call it. Like if I can say something that makes you upset enough to hit me or put your hands on me. What makes you think you can't do the same thing? You can't say something that makes me react the same way. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying we are human. So that's my disclaimer. I'm not defending it. I'm just being realistic and saying how things happen. We're all humans. Do not put men on this pedestal or say that we're supposed to have so much respect that no matter what happens that you can't falter. Yeah. Or not respect, restraint. Yeah, restraint. That, that, like, that, like the thing is, you you have to control yourselves at all times, or we as men have to control ourselves at all times. I mean, and it's just not fair. And I think it was Ferg that said we don't have any training other than our parents telling us not to hit a woman. Yeah. I mean, uh, that example you gave, Ferg, in the club, that's asking that dude to have more restraint than a police officer. We go back to the police officer. A police officer does not, like, I've seen some, um, you know, use of force incidents where people will come in and say, well, the officer could have, he could have backed up. He could have, uh, you know, he could have got away from that. An officer does not have to back up from any mm-hmm. threat. He does not. He can stand. Oh, I, I don't want to say stand your ground, but he, he can stay exactly where he is. And if you're coming at him with a knife, I know some people say, oh, it was just a knife. Had he gotten back a little more? So you're asking a regular man that hasn't had any training to have more restraint, and that's not fair. So I like what Rosie said. Everybody, keep your hands to yourself. Yeah, don't spit. I mean, don't, don't spit on buff. And <laughs> we'll be good. Don't try. Don't try to run over me with a car, and you're good. <laughs> that's crazy too. By the way, that's a crazy. Dude, I, actually, I learn something cra- about y'all every episode, man. But what's I crazy is I, I put in i I submitted my resumes and went on like LinkedIn career like my wife did when i told her that story my wife was livid my wife wanted to come up there and fight her uh and by the time i got home my my resume was uploaded to like career builders linkedin all that stuff she was like you're not working anymore so uh (laughs) that's how it took my next career move within like two to three months i was at a new new job zz but um apologies folks for uh this question being i guess Along the lines of what Ferg asked at the top of the show, but I scrambled hard to try to find a different question, and I kept coming back to this one. I really wanted to ask it. And, Rozzy, you may even sit this one out because you kind of have given an example. I'm hoping that you have another example or two. But the three of us, have we all spent the majority of our lives in Alabama. Rozzy, are you still in Alabama? Ferg, you're in Texas, which is still the Deep South. I'm in Virginia, which is also considered the South, despite what these 
Washington, D.C. people want to think. <laughs> so living, growing up in the deep south, the heart of Dixie, as they call it in Alabama, one of the first questions I always get asked, especially when I moved up here, was uh, did you experience any type of direct racism? And that is my question for you two gentlemen. Do you have one or two examples growing up in Mobile, Alabama, of direct racism? Did it have to be in Mobile? No, no, it didn't. It did not. So, and I know Rosie was actually there with me on this one. So we're, we were both in the Army. Uh, we were both were in the Army. And I think we were getting ready to get deployed to yeah. go to Afghanistan. Yeah, we were deploying. Yeah, we were deploying. So we were in Georgia with our unit doing some training. This is like right before we got deployed. And um, we go, to, they, they pick a club to go to. We're like, this is one of our last nights for training. Or so, oh, we just, we did something where we were just going to celebrate. And so we all go out and we go to this country Western bar. And if you know anything about me and Rise, like we can get along with anybody anywhere. And so we go there with all our friends and it's just in our unit. I think, I think it was just me and you, the only two black yeah. people I want. That went uh, so there were there was about five total in the unit and f- to- five total black people and we were the young we were the young went. Yeah. we were the young young two two young black guys that got along with everybody and um so we go to the country western bar we're talking to the women of course that's what we did you know we're on there line dancing learning all this stuff just having fun and you can see the looks that we were getting but we were just enjoying ourselves we were twenty one what twenty one twenty two at the time. Yep. So very young. And so some, they buy us rounds of drinks. So we get a round of drink and they're like, and I want to say people were literally drinking on the dance floor. But when me and Rosie step on the dance floor with our drinks, we get taught by the bouncer or the club owner. Some like no drinks on the dance floor. And it's kind of looking around like, but never mind. You know, we're not trying to have any problems. So we're standing by the dance floor. Literally, um, I think it was either my foot or Rosie's foot was on the dance floor. Like if it was the line, we might've been over the foul line. Hmm. Next thing you know, we're getting yoked up, thrown out the club. Like it's a big, like the, the people in my unit are acting at ass. They're trying to like, they're trying to make it a bigger deal because we're like, we're in the middle of Georgia, two black guys It's late night. We've all been drinking. Me and Rosie are literally, literally trying to deescalate the situation because we're, Young black we're, kids we're, from Alabama, and, and we know, yeah. So we know like, the situation, like, and so they the, the the our white counterparts are going off and making a big deal, and they're like, they're. I mean, it's becoming a big, and it for one, it was embarrassing. It was like too much attention, that unnecessary attention, and you're like, literally, I'm here defending the country, getting ready to go to war, and this is the kind of treatment I get. Come on now. Like it was, it, it it was just, and you know, me and Rod, we're not, we're not opposing or we're we're not, we're, we're not messing up any situation. Like we adapt to our situation very well. And it was just, and that still sticks with me. Cause I remember calling, um, I remember cause they were calling the police and guess the crazy thing is I was calling, uh, an attorney just to make sure like I was putting him on speakerphone to make sure if anything happened that we were good, it was actually Ben Crump. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had him on, had that brown speed dial just in case, you know. Ben Crump, the lawyer, you know, he's a, a huge civil civil rights uh, attorney uh, right now. Was involved in the Trayvon Martin cases and all that stuff. But that's who I was calling because I'm like, I want to make sure all this is documented in case this goes far left. 
I think did the police come out there? Yeah, the two the police sheriffs out there. there. And oh, now, the funny part about it is, Ferg gets Crump on the phone, and he's like, "Bro, I'm getting thrown out by the police, and it's Officer I can't remember his name, but Officer Jefferson and Officer." Jefferson, wait a minute! And so, <laughs> come to find out, they're both the same. You know, they're brothers, brothers or something like some, that. And, I mean, we're in that, that type town, the Hick town. Like it's <laughs> one of those towns that you see in a movie. Yeah, like we were in those situations where we would have been driving home, and you would have seen the, the the headlights following us. Yeah, yeah. If if we hadn't had our unit with us, we probably wouldn't have made it back to the um to the base. Like it was that bad. So, I, it, that situation, man was probably the worst that I can remember that I've ever been in. I mean, I've, I've had, you know, yeah. your, your fit the description, stop question type thing. Yeah. I think the, the worst, the other one for me was um, I, I was making pretty good money right out of college, especially here in Alabama and everything. And so, you know, I, I, that was during the, the whole Fast and the Furious, tricked out cars, all that stuff. So I don't know if y'all remember the Lancer, Lancer, but I had I had that Mitsubishi Lancer. I had you know a fold out screen on it. I had two screens in the headrest on the um on um the passenger side and the driver side. I mean you know two twelves in the back, beating down the block. And so I'm just driving. I think from Montevello, we went to Montevello for some little event, you know, Greek event. And so we're driving back up 31 and um, we're speeding a little bit, not, you know, a couple miles over the speed limit, maybe five miles enough to get stopped and get a ticket, you know? So I pull over to the side of the road or whatever. And, you know, at that point I'm like super cued out. So I got on like this super big, um, like camouflage jacket on because it's kind of winter time and everything this really nice car and so i'm like oh i know what's about to happen so dude pulls me over i'm still trying to be respectful because you got to think I'm, I'm college educated i'm a banker i know how to talk to people been in the military i can deal with law enforcement no big deal and so i get to do my uh, license or whatever and he's like can you step out of the car and i'm like what for what and he was like sir can you just step out of the car and i was like now you need to tell me why. And um, my line brother was actually with me. He was like, man, just step out of the car. And I'm like, no, not until he tells me why he's asking me to step out of the car. And so he actually, he pulled, he, he, he finally gets me out of the car. Uh, DeMarcus, he um, convinces me to get out of the car, pulls me out of the car, like puts me on the back of the car, hands up on the back of the car, patting me down and all this and everything. And I'm like cussing him out. Like I'm literally cussing this dude out. And DeMarcus is like, bro, just shut up. Just shut up. And I'm like, nah, he need to tell me why he's doing all this. And so after he finishes patting me down and everything, uh, then he finally says, sir, your license is suspended or it's, it's expired by like a, a month. You know what I mean? I'm like, you pulled me out of the car and everything because my license <laughs> is expired by a month. Like you could have told me that, told me, hey, you can't drive. Let, let your friend drive to get you back, something like that. But he pulled me out, patted me down and everything for an, uh, an expired driver's license. Man, I was so livid, but it's like, I know what this is. This is 100% racial profiling. Um, my car is too nice. Right? It's too fancy. It's too tricked out. You assume that I'm selling drugs, so you're going to pull me out of the car and everything just because of how I look. Um, so did you, that, did you tell him you were black Italian? Man, I, I, he should have known that from the name. 
when he pulled it. But you know what I mean? Looked like it a was, fake license to me. <laughs> that's probably what he thought. So I was like, man, this is this is straight bull. But it's it's one of those things, man. Growing up in the South, it, it's not necessarily the overt racism that you see all the time, though. That's not the feeling you get. Yeah, it's 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 the covert stuff. It's yeah. um I always said it, it. There's just as much racism in the North as it is in the South. Yes. The problem is in the North, they're outspoken about it. You know, you don't go into this neighborhood. You know, they'll tell you, you don't come here. You don't come here. Uh, in the South, it's just kind of those unspeaking, unspoken rules. It's one of those things that, you know, you you are expected to move when you're walking on the sidewalk and a white person's coming. You get you yield the sidewalk. Um, have y'all ever experienced that? I've experienced that. I, I actually did an experiment on that one day. I was like, I'm just going to not move and see what happens. And I got bumped into like a million times. Um, <laughs> instead of just, you know, me going around the other person, like they, they will not they, yield. The they teach that in school or something. I, 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 don't, that. I don't know. but that Or do I, so, I, now I, don't, I don't even know if I do it. Like, is it? You probably so, do. Most, most of us do. And, and, and we don't even notice it. Um, and so it's one of those things that you just kind of, you 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 go with the flow growing up, um, looking looking people in their eyes or looking down. You might not notice it, but a lot of times, if authority figures growing up in the South, if you're black and they were white, you didn't look them in the eyes because that's how your your grandma taught you and everything like that. And so until you you had to consciously say, "I'm going to look this person in the eyes," I I don't know I don't know if I was different. Maybe I do, and I think. So, Byron, you were half like, so, you know, I moved to Dallas, like when I was like two or three and even Dallas is the South. And at one point now I found out Dallas was like one of the most racist cities in America. Uh, did not know that when I was growing up, but I grew up in the suburbs of Dallas. So I was around white kids pretty much my whole life until I was moved back to Mobile and ended up going to Booker T, which was a culture shock. And that was a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. But, um, I, I just grew up and I was comfortable around white kids and white people, you know, I was in white people's houses all the time. So it was just, I don't know if I missed that. And, but I'm going to start paying attention. Now, now, now I'm, now I'm going to be bumping into people on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn it. There was a, there was a study done on it. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find the study or the article about it. Rise. I mean, Buff, what you got? So two quick examples. Uh, so here's the thing. I'm about to become very vulnerable to our audience. You guys will be able to um, call me very uh, timid, if you will. But I grew up, and like Razio said, with the whole covert, overt racism, I grew up, for the most part, thinking racism was pretty much a white person calling me nigga. Anything short of that, you know, I... I just didn't really see it. So I don't think I was very good at seeing it. On top of that, I let a lot of stuff slide, which was one of the issues. Uh, like uh, Razio brought up our friend Sherman Cooley, who's writing a book. That was one of his issues he had with me because you guys know Sherman. He was a complete opposite. He ain't let mm-hmm. nothing slide. <laughs> but I would let a lot of stuff slide and he would he would get on me about that. Like, man, why you let him say that? Why you let him do that? Duh, 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 duh. So you combine those two things there's no telling how much racism I actually experienced versus what I truly remember. And the one, one of the two examples I'm going to give you, and this was still in my, I didn't handle it properly. I look, I look back on this day 
from time to time. And I get angry at myself for what I did not do and what I could have done. So Tabitha had bought me these pair of Timberlands for probably for my birthday or Christmas or whatever. And anybody, uh, this is Mobile? Yeah, Mobile. So anybody who's owned a pair of Timberlands, <clears throat> yeah, since I've been, since I lived in Virginia, I, I, I know how to handle racism now. But back then, I did. She bought me a pair of Timberlands. Anybody who's owned a pair of Timberlands, you know how hard it is to keep those things clean. So she bought me these Timberlands. I'm happy. I got them on. They like pretty much brand new. So I go to Shoe Station, not to be confused with Shoe City, the store that I told you about in an early episode where my mama bought those bobos for. <laughs> shoe Station actually had name brand shoes. Uh, it was out there by the uh, by Bel Air Mall at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there looking for some cleaner for my Timberlands. And I noticed the officer that they had assigned to the store. He was kind of looking at me, following me around. Again, you guys can take your shots. But naive me thinking, oh, you know, just doing his job, whatever. So I didn't find what I was looking for, and I left out. He follows me out the store. Oh, it gets worse. Mm. He says, "Hey, man, uh, can I take a look at? Can I take a look at your shoes? Oh, yeah, yeah, man, got these new Timberlands on, man. It's like, oh, they look awfully new. Uh, did you walk in the store with those? I said, yeah, man, these, these are mine." You mind taking them off so I can see if it has a sticker in there? I cussed him out. Not. <laughs> not. I did not cuss him. <laughs> oh, man. I took, took it off, off and showed him. And he's oh, man, you, you, you do a good. So then he tried to clean it up and say, man, you do a good job of taking care of your shoes. They look so brand new. You know, they look like you just got them out the store. But I didn't see you pay for anything. So I just wanted to double check or whatever. And I remember Yo. telling, I told Tabitha about it. She Were you pissed it. at the moment? I wasn't. I wasn't, man. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I, I was I was a little agitated. I was agitated. But I was like, you know, I, I did walk. Like, I had this inherent uh, guilt or whatever. I did walk in the store. I didn't buy anything. I'm black. He has a right. Not a right, but he has a I right. I get to, it. Yeah, you know what I mean? I get it. Man, I told you, you probably and that that's the, a little bit of that self hate too. You be like, we do be stealing. So, <laughs> so I, I remember yeah. telling Tabitha about that man, and she lit into me. She was like, "What the bleep? You know, I, I bought them shoes, and I I know you ain't stealing them. We need to go up there." And, and like she, and and that I I want to say that's when I began my transformation. I was like, "Yo, if that happened to me, and I ain't noticed it like that, what else has happened to me?" That I haven't noticed. And now I try not to go too far to the other side, but anybody that follows me on social media and people that know me up here, they call me, they love to call me militant and pro-black. I don't think I am, but if I am, it's because I feel like I spent so many years being the other way that I try to peep it when I see it, man. So uh that's my first example. It looked like you wanted to jump in before I got to my second example for her. So I got that makes me think. So when you were saying that, it was two things that came to mind, and maybe it's a topic for another show. Maybe we'll pose this to the audience. You know, how much racism? Because, like you said, you guys talked about basically what you were saying. You're conditioned to accept it. In short, we're conditioned to accept it, and because and now the the narrative is everybody's too sensitive. Everybody has to be so politically correct. Correct. I should be able to basically I should be able to stop a black guy with new shoes that that walks out of a shoe store without buying anything because you know 
That's the way it used to job. be. The good yeah, days, you job. know, when you can just accuse a nigga of stealing, you know? Um, yeah, that, that's why they want to go back to those days. So how much racism do you think you we, we are missing on a daily basis or are we just missing completely throughout your I, lives? Like, I, think, I, sh- I can't think about, you know, I had to think of that that story, but I really can't think about any other, I think of one or two, but racist moments. And I, then I, I think my second question is, when was the first time you experienced racism? But I want you to come. I want you to finish your story, Byron, because I want to go there. Okay, uh, and I, I do want to talk to your first question. I I think that we are more in tune with the with the covert racism. There's so many videos and social media now. Like you're exposed to a, a whole world now where people can give you examples of what to look for and stuff. But mm-hmm. let me get my second story out the way. In New York City, and this is a very short story, went up there with three of my co-workers to see the Heat versus the Knicks. I'm a big Miami Heat fan. Um, we tried to catch a cab to Madison Square Garden. No good. We <laughs> could not get one cab to stop for us. You said now, you went three, three, you and three other black dudes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. stop? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So we couldn't get a cab and... You know, somebody could say, well, you know, um, I'm sure they had good reason or maybe they wasn't working. You know, what we did. We went to the hotel that had uh, one of the fancy hotels that has a, a, a bellman or whatever you want to call it. Valet guy. White. Say, man, we can't get a cab. Can you hail a cab for us? Three seconds later. Taxi. Stop. <laughs> I need a ride for did it skirt? Did he did he skirt? Did he a skirt? Like like they do on TV. Taxi skirt. That's how we had to get. That's how we had to catch a cab in uh, New York. Think about it. I was it. We accept it. It, It's not surprising, and it's just it's the norm. And it because is the norm still racism now? Like it's I just think, I don't think we accept it as much. Like I don't think anybody's taking off their Timberlands like I did anymore. Well, but, I'm not gonna I mean, did you did you like, did you call like, the taxi company? I mean, you did accept it. I mean, you didn't do anything no, about did. it. I, I mean, you recognize it, but yeah. yeah. I mean, that that's one of those things. It's like fighting the system. At what point, like you 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 do have to have some type of critical mass to be able to fight the system. Uh, your your individual call to are you going to call every cab company in the city and be like, hey, your cabs didn't uh, pick me up, and then your cabs didn't pick me up. It's not like you yes, have an, a specific person to be able to call. Yeah. call. Like Danny yes, Glover already put them on blast and. That didn't change anything. So, yeah. But I, I think I get what you're saying. For nothing was done about it. Yeah. You know, I, we, I, we recognize it, but it's just kind of like, man, they so racist out here. And then we keep rolling, or we or we do, or our new thing is we boycott everybody. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm with boycotting because I mean, I, I you see change when that when that bottom line happens when they start uh, feeling that pinch. You see Papa John's. They, they they fired their uh, CEO, even though he still is the owner. So I'm still boycotting because he's still making money off of it, whether he's the CEO or not. So dry ass piece on that. Uh, but hey, man, hey, Papa John's rock, is actually I rock, I, I rocks with Papa John's. Yeah, as they are fact, delicious. Roger, you Italian. Ma- you should know better. It, as a matter of fact, out there. as a matter of fact, I'm about to run to the store after this and grab some. Uh, me and the wife about to get a, drink some a beer. 
I might order me a Papa John's pizza just because of that. Man, see, you you breaking my you breaking the picket line for you know I I'll cut people off for that. So oh I didn't know we were still boy- I didn't know we were still boycotting. I am because uh the thing is they ain't did enough for me just well, like you, uh you Chick Fil A. Hey, Chick Fil A did nothing to us. They they don't like gay people. I'm sorry, but I can't boycott everybody that everybody won't don't like. Wow. Oh, but no, but they're 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 how much they are they donate to Trump? They, the, it, it, no, they wow. don't. Yes, they are donating to Trump. Oh well, we'll have to look at that. I might, I might. You you gonna go eat? You gonna go eat first? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll check on we'll check on that. I gotta I gotta research that one. But uh, no, I, I wanted to right before I know we're kind of trying to wrap it up, but um, Fer, you were talking about like PC culture and stuff like that. Like we have we have names for a lot of this stuff now. Like we we talk about covert racism. It's microaggressions. You hear that word a lot, and that's really what we're talking about here is those microaggressions of I'm black, so you're gonna follow me around the store. I'm black, so you're not going to actually think that I'm going to buy anything. You know, you'll go up to a white person if you are in a, a higher end restaurant or a higher end uh, boutique, you're going to assume that I'm not going to buy anything and go to somebody else. I mean, you've seen so many like black actors or or um, celebrities that are going places and ready to spend so much money. Who was it? I, I can't remember that went into Gucci. And uh, tried to um, buy something, and they they the the Gucci store was just like not even uh, entertaining them at all. I mean, so that's starting to happen, and you're you're starting to see it. But I I look at PC culture when you talk about PC, it's just that people aren't taking it anymore. You can't say that stuff because nobody's going to stand for it anymore. People are going to call you out on it. So when when you say, "Oh, I got to be PC," I'm sorry, you can't call me an N word anymore. I'm sorry. As you know, gay people aren't allowing you to call them the F word anymore, but it's because they they understand their power and their strength. And they're like, oh, you call us that we might boycott your company. We're going to understand you're going to hurt your bottom line. And so when it comes to capitalism's like that, people people are starting to understand their power. And so that's what's driving PC culture is people understanding their power and not standing for all the, the aggressions and everything against them. I think you said that well, because the people that cry about it's too much PC, pretty much they saying, I want to be able to call you the names that I used to call you without any consequence, because they always say we're too PC. But as soon as you call them a name, like when Hillary called Trump voters a, a, a basket of deplorables, they got all up in arms. Oh, man, she called us deplorables. She needed to apologize. So oh, when Obama said they cling to their guns and Bible, they got all offended. So you can't say society is too PC, but like then when black, someone though. says something about you, <laughs> it's different though. Like, <laughs> well, Hillary's not black. She's not black. She called him. The she's poor. a woman. Because <laughs> yeah. because Trump can say what scumbags, right? He can call people scumbags. That's his he latest said one. Much worse. He said much worse. Oh, but that might be the nicest thing he says. I mean, think about what he said about freaking Mexicans. I mean, the dude like literally called a country of people rapists and criminals. Like, who gets away with that? The president. Anyway, anyway are we getting political? So it's, yeah, yeah. But I tell y'all us questions. Still politically entertaining, uh, and y'all can hear all about all of this stuff. <laughs> but we, we'll, uh, I'll post that, that, that last question because yeah. I want to hear people, I definitely want to hear people's first experience with racism. Yeah. Uh, so I know we don't have time for today. <clears throat> and and make yourself uh, like if you feel like you didn't handle it like you should have, like I did with Shoe Station, 
We want to hear that too. We want, we don't want to just hear, you know, how you, you know, cussed out, cussed out this officer or whatever like that. Like we want to hear all, all types of um, racism stories. If you have. Yeah. So, uh, been another, uh, fun episode. I love you, you, man. Appreciate it, man. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I had a fun enjoying it. I mean, doing it as well. So, Politically entertaining. We will be listening to you guys soon. Hopefully, you have some topics on racism, uh, so <laughs> I could I join in. But fellas, we're about to get off. What do you guys have to say? Um, Halloween's coming up. When you hear this episode, it'll be the week of Halloween. And I just want to say, every year the news comes out with all these scare tactic articles. Let me assure you, people, ain't nobody wasting their good edibles on your little badass kid. Ain't nobody handing out no edibles to your kids. Relax. <laughs> all, this, all this finding a 12-inch knife and a Snickers bar <laughs> and all. I mean, let's, come on, y'all. Let's let's relax. Enjoy the holiday. Until Jasmine, happy birthday. For sure. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Rise what you yeah. got. Halloween's my favorite holiday, man. Love it. Can't wait for it. Um, this is always the start of the holiday season for me. So y'all know uh, we do it real big. I'm going to post some pictures of our costumes and everything. Um, Jenica does a great job with those. So look forward to that. Um, and thank you guys again. I mean, we always say it every episode, but appreciate all the listens. Appreciate the shares. We appreciate you guys. And um, so, and we appreciate our wives. We throw that out there. Um, and, and ladies as well, because all y'all, uh, that support us. Um, we we don't support domestic violence, so we weren't saying we want to hit you guys. Promise. <laughs> 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 All right, you know how I end my show now. Uh, six rules of podcasts: listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again. This is three brothers, no sense. It's been a blast. See you guys next week. <laughs>